0: Welcome back. Here we are at the third full episode of Five Minutes to Stand. I hope you're beginning to recognize by now that the Five Minutes to Stand is what you choose to do every day to be intentional about learning how to stand up for truth in the areas of influence God has given you. This podcast is going to address some of those steps to be able to do it, but unfortunately that'll take a little bit more than five minutes to be able to help you navigate through ways you can use five minutes to stand in your own life. It's funny because in some ways I feel like I'm talking to you face to face, even though I don't know whose face I'm actually looking at when I talk to you. But my favorite thing to do is to have a conversation with people and talk about the things that matter to our hearts. The order I progress in this podcast is is a bit important. So like the last episode, we talked about knowing your why question, and I want to take a little bit further, uh, a look further back and look at how to address and acknowledge what we need to do to stand up for truth, because At the end of the day, it's always about the truth, who is the author of truth, which is God. So God is the author of truth, and it's his truth that we are looking to stand up for. And that is our big why. But individually, you still need to find your why and what area God is calling you to stand up for. One thing has been weighing on me heavily as I begin to think of how we're going to navigate through this is the idea of Romans 13. Romans 13. Now, many of you don't know me necessarily for very long, so you can't realize what an ironic conversation we're about to have is, or the irony of the conversation we're about to have. I am one who loves the law. In fact, I wanted to be a lawyer and grow up to be a Supreme Court justice. I love to know the rules. I love to know boundaries. I thrive in knowing just how far I can go. So for me, it was never about should I obey? It's how I'm going to obey and what I'm going to obey So imagine how lovely it was for my life to look at the leadership of the church that I belong to, look to those who are wiser and mentors in my life to give me direction on how I should walk as a believer in the community God has placed me in. Of course, there's always been a burning desire to speak the goodness of God in so many different areas of my life, but I found that it actually created conflict because God's truth tends to stir up frustration and hostility in some areas. Yet I was told that we should be known as we should be known that we are we should be known by our love that we are Christians, but I don't really think you can find anything in the Bible that says that's the only way they will know the the God who we believe in. It really is a prevalent message more so now than ever that is direct and indirect being spoken by the church today. I think the idea of Trump as a candidate for president blew up so many areas of conformity and rigidity in how we lived as a capital c church. We didn't get messy, and we didn't really like to get messy, and there was not a whole lot of areas we stood up confidently in what we believed to be true. Like pro-life was a pretty big deal, I know, in my church growing up, or even in, not necessarily growing up as a child, but like in my younger adult years. And they were really good at communicating that we were a one-issue voter, and the right to life was a big issue for us as a church. We celebrated Sanctity of Life Week. But the one thing I have looked back, I can look back now and see is that was always collective. It was always as a church, as a body. They weren't very instructive on how we could do that individually and how we could stand up for righteousness in our day-to-day lives specifically. I knew this was one of the tenets of our faith that compelled us to speak out into the atrocity that was happening in our country. But in terms of politics, government, the rights we have as citizens, under our constitution the intent of our constitution the intent of our founding fathers the need we need the need we had to stand up for religious freedom was fairly was really not spoken about fairly often if ever and as much as i would like to keep neutral on many of these topics that we're going to discuss in the days to come cuz i don't want to offend you and i don't want your brain to shut down because you can't process or agree with what i'm saying there's really no way not to do that because we are learning to take a stand and in so doing we have to be in a place where we draw a line in the sand and say, this is where I am at and I'm not going to cross it over or cross over. So I just ask you if you'll hear me out and there's something that doesn't sit well with you, then seek out some answers and do some research. If there's something um, and make sure you find ones that are biblically sound and supported by scripture, not just taken out of context. And then you can make a decision on what do you think is the truth? What's God's truth in that area? Then it will allow you the opportunity to pursue more information or give you an opportunity to respond differently to what you have learned in seeking those things out. I'm not going to tell you what to believe. I will share with you what I've learned and discovered as I have stepped out and or began to stand up for truth in my own uh stand up for truth in my own way. Um But I'm not gonna tell you what it looks like for you. Because ideally we're going to both be seeking out the same wisdom from God who freely gives like it says in James and we are connected to the same Holy Spirit, then we should have some immutable truths that we can stand together on and don't waver on as believers who live and operate in the biblical worldview. That being said, I'm just a woman who loves God. I'm a human and I'm human and just because I have a passionate faith or an ability to communicate those things well which I believe uh, with said passion, it doesn't, mean it, make, it doesn't make me 100% right or unable to avoid making mistakes because I will. One of the things my former pastor used to say was, don't believe me, look it up and see what it says for yourself. And I would agree. Don't just trust me, look it up for yourself and see what it says. Because a truth that can be easily refuted, knocked down, or cause you to doubt is not really something that was very well grounded. And it would give you a wake-up call to go, okay, that didn't hold up under pressure, what will So welcome to the refining fire of truth. By digging in and seeking it out for ourselves, we internalize it, allow it to be exposed to the same process that refines and purifies. (laughs) And remember, you agreed to walk this way. And it might be hard at times, and you're like, why is it so hard? You're like, oh yeah, I signed up for this. Remember, it's not always easy or fun, but every step towards being ingrained with truth will reduce the stress that so many people live out of because they don't know how to stand fast. To what is true in times of difficulty. And at the end of the day, we know it's worth any price we should pay. So now let's go back to Romans 13, and I'm going to read to you from the English Standard Version, just the first seven chapters of Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore one must be in subjugation or subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. I have heard this more often in the last few years than I have heard it in my entire life. seems pretty basic and straightforward. God has given us those in authority. We don't work well against them because then we'll deal with the consequences of our rebellion. In fact, God is pretty direct in terms of rebellion. It's wickedness and like to witchcraft. I don't want to do anything associated with witchcraft. I remember when we were starting the process of what life would look like in this new pandemic. And this is when I began to see those that I looked up to as leaders in my life began to take stuff like this and behave in ways that seemed it was not in line with what the Bible says. I was processing. How do I respond to this thing that I? None of us knew. We none of us had ever lived through this. It was a. F- it was really frightening, to see what was coming from the body. It seemed counterintuitive to any logic I'd ever heard before. But it was the most precarious. It seemed to be the most prepare, precarious position for people to put themselves. It was put themselves in because it felt like they were backing themselves in a corner with no way to, change position. I say. It was precarious because they were really using or it was curious to me to see this going on because it seemed like they're using logical fallacy to maintain their position of authority rather than information and facts. And that never goes well. So what particular example am I talking about specifically masks? Masks begin to be a great visual of what I later began to see of something more telling. Most people who are so adamant in the beginning about wearing masks We're grasping at straws. To be honest, they were thrust into a new level of unknown, and they needed something to be able to provide safety, security, and comfort in their time of great angst. Now, mind you, we were all in great angst. We didn't know what was going on because nothing like this had ever happened in our lifetime. I was actually out of the country that I was living in for a retreat that I was invited to go on. So we weren't living in the states. In the country I was living in, I had to leave to go this retreat. And the day I left to go on this retreat the country I lived in closed its borders to everybody. This is another great example of why you need to know the why. So we go on this retreat, we prayed about it. My husband said, yeah, I feel like you need to go. And I felt like I should go. And then the country closes and I'm like, okay, you told me to go. I responded to what I thought you said to do. So show me how I'm going to get out of this. So thankfully it all worked out, but. Um, that's a good reason to know the why I got to see God's provision in amazing ways. But back to masks, things shut down in ways that I never would have thought would happen in my lifetime. We were stuck at home and had a lot of time to engage in social media. It didn't take long before people started equating ma- wearing masks with loving your neighbors. Jesus didn't. would. In fact, this thought carried on for many, many months. There was a spirit of shame and judgment that went along with it in ways. It was so penetrable and like it would hit you in the face. It didn't matter that if it didn't make it didn't matter if it did not make any sense scientifically or scripturally. It was a position that was well fortified and grew in strength and power the longer we were disconnected from our regular lives. This podcast is all about what it looks like to stand in our everyday circumstances. So while I was watching and things unfold, I just knew trying to tell people what was true was not going to work. So because I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be, but I do know what I have learned from living the normal day-to-day life and I know how to look things up and begin to research to find some kind of understanding, a parameter or structure to begin to build a um, understanding of complex issues. I mean, for all, at that point, all I knew was masks were used for surgery and it was in a static environment like a static amount of time a very sterile environment that was limited and very specific so to wear a mask all the time just really didn't make sense to my 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 brain at the time um but then the the thing that was really the changing point was we had this guy who was a fear uh, he was fearless medical guru apparently everyone was supposed to trust him and he said don't wear them it's not going to do any good But yet, a few weeks later, he said, oh, never mind. We're going to wear them all the time. You have to wear them. If we want to stop this, you have to wear them. And it went so extreme that there were leaders that required their citizens to wear them in the homes with their family members. You know, and I believe it just went a little off the wall crazy to this extreme that some people took. So in a matter of weeks, we went from they don't work to now they do. No evidence presented, no information given, just the words of a man whom we knew very little about. So I don't know about you, but I've learned that if you you just don't trust one person on such a pivotal decision that affects so much of our lives. I've been taught, thanks to my parents and other influences in my life, that you look and learn before you just blindly trust. But what I found what it wasn't about the information, it was about how it made people feel. In all fairness, I do have to present a little bit more background information. So you know how that trip I took on that retreat or the, the retreat I went on it was in another country? Um, I was really nervous because it wasn't so much about being sick, but I didn't know what would happen when I, if I became sick and how they would they label me and what would they require. So mind you, I'm traveling internationally, didn't get a mask, didn't feel a need for one. No protection in a time when everybody was so fearful every, of everything going on. There was a moment where I thought, well, if I had it, I possibly could wear it because then at least it might help me not have to deal with some of the consequences. I wasn't, because I wasn't afraid of getting sick. I was afraid of the consequences of what people would, how they would treat me if I got sick and all the conversations that would ensue. That was honestly it. And I mean, I just want you to know, this wasn't just that moment since that moment, unless it has been required to receive services. We have lived as if we have had no issue. Like there, we've lived freely. We've lived confident. And it's, it's been a, a uh, trying season for all of us, but I'm not just saying this was at the time. This is how we've continued to live our lives, even amongst, even even after all the travel we have done, we've still continued to live fairly regular lives. And there's a whole lot more to that story because there was a point on the airplane ride back that I really didn't know if I had the faith to <laughs> think any more thoughts or breathe my next breath. Like I really felt like my I was about to break, and it was when I realized. Uh, And it was a point where I had to really dig deep to know that God is who he says he is because he had to redeem the situation that it was. And I'd be happy to share more about that experience with you at another time. Just it's not necessarily appropriate for this part of the podcast for sure. But I've really never seen my faith so tested and it had nothing to do with the mask or the virus. So mind you, I traveled during the greatest part of being afraid and... I don't even think I know of any time where I've been exposed to the virus. And so um, there's been a lot of opportunity for me to really practice what I preach and not just say, don't be afraid. I've lived not afraid. So back to the mask thing. Think about it. Why did people cling so quickly to the idea of wearing masks? It was a visual reminder that they were doing something to keep themselves safe. Nowhere in the history of the world has doing an activity that made you feel good while proving, providing no benefit, actually become beneficial. My point is just because you wear a mask doesn't mean you are safe. In fact, we know that you're actually putting yourself in a place of compromise, medical, uh, a medical compromise because of the greater risk of contamination, rebreathing your recycled breath. And of course, the virus isn't even spread through our breath. So don't take my word for it. I'm okay if I'm wrong. That's the beauty of truth. When you seek it, You don't care how wrong you are. You just want to be in the place of speaking it. So research turns out that there was no medical benefit whatsoever to wearing a mask, but the damage was definitely done during the season. I've been called names personally, had my intelligence question, lost relationships, you name it. This all happened over the idea of wearing something because it made you feel safe. Now, interesting, I really, interestingly, I really want to bring this back to where this whole series, the, what this whole series is going to be about. When you question or challenge someone's understanding of truth, their first response will typically be to react in fear and anger because it challenges the place of security for them. I'd also say that this is a, an idol in our lives. When your idol is tested and you're challenged to put your faith back in God where it belongs, you're going to probably push back a little. Hey, because I don't want to ever worship an idol. How could I be worshiping an idol? And when someone exposes them in my life, I'm going to be like, whoa, had no idea. That's weird, but I guess you're right. If you understand this one thing, you behave totally different to people who you're talking to about truth. And when you're standing for truth, you're not trying to stand because you want people to know you know the truth. You really care that they know the truth. It's not easy for me to tell you something you believed in your whole life or been told by trusted sources in your opinion that is not real like that's not easy to do and it's hard uh, I believe that um, it's hard but the goal is not for them to go away thinking wow you're so right the goal is for them to understand what's true so it's not our job to convince people it's our got it's our job to pre- present truth to them so that they can receive it and then they have to ultimately choose what they'll do will they receive it or they reject it those are the only two options so now that we actually have data to support what we originally believed about masks we know that it does no good to do something that actually can make, and it actually can make us more sick. I'm not even going to talk about the damage it did to our children because we know that it is also a significant devastating factor that we can't really measure at this point. We are human. We long to know that we're going to be taken care of. It is in our innate sense of purpose and being that we are secure and knowing we're taken care of, being taken care of. This is the most challenging thing for those who choose to stand against God or choose to find purpose outside of God's kingdom. You're, you're left insecure and vulnerable. Now, I don't think every person who wore a mask was saying, yes, I'm living, I'm wearing a mask because I live insecure. I'm an insecure person. I'm afraid God is not going to be who he says he is. But I would challenge them to dig deeper to find, to figure out what it was that they were that they why they wore something that did not provide benefit or listen to someone who told them it did when it clearly did not there's a place where there was confusion and we didn't know better but once you know better then you're accountable for doing better unfortunately if we're looking to others to provide us information and truth then we're not as apt to be diligent about what version of truth we choose to believe you may think oh my gosh i really don't want to hear about this whole virus thing and all the stuff that went on i'm so over that But for me, it was a key season of learning how to stand up for what is true and not be moved by peer pressure or shaming by people who claim to know God. It was not even a few months ago that people were still standing in positions that were verifiably false and inaccurate. Yet because of their fear and insecurity and of knowing who God says he is, I'm not sure if they'll ever change their position, if they've ever even changed their position. In fact, I don't know of any person who said, you know, I probably was wrong about masks and other things, and um, I realize now this is really what's true. Or... Here's what I discovered to be true. Or even in the area of race or our country's founding or Romans 13, I only hear people taking really hard stance and then they just slowly fade away. And there's no evidence of any change in their life yet. Now they're being treated as if they never believed the lie that they believed in the first place. So imagine my horror when I found out my former church had actually sent out a letter saying they were going to use Romans 13 as a reason to force people to take an injection, an experimental injection against their will. It was stated that they need to submit to authorities or be singled out by certain activities that they would have to do to distinguish that they were not willing to submit to authorities. Now, here's not the time or place for me to go into how many ways that's wrong, but it helped me to see how badly people will follow along to get along if they chose not to understand what Scripture says. Romans 13 says you're submitting to your authorities that God put in place. But when did the Bible say that you're to submit to authorities at all cost? You're submitting to authorities no matter what they say? I don't think that's what it said. I don't think that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were being dishonoring to God by not bowing to the idol that they were chose to that they were told they had to bow down and they stood up to a godless authority because sometimes it requires us to do things that are not uh, the the godless authorities that are the the godless leaders that are in authority, requires to do things that go against God. Another area this was very clear shown to me recent was in the stance of trying to make abortion illegal in my hometown. I had this precious believer who was in charge of a large institution stop by one day when I was trying to gather signatures for our city council to force them to present the idea that we should make abortion illegal in our hometown. He was concerned with uh, something that It had been shown to him that made people hesitate to probably sign the ordinance and that was that abortion employers would be penalized for providing abortions thankfully we were able to navigate through the language of the ordinance to show that it did not say that and they would not be penalized and that was so good we were able to clear that up because he was trying to help us and it actually was a great conversation even though i will say in california That's totally legitimate, and that's the law of the land that you are, as an employer, forced to pay for abortions for your employees. So it wasn't an unmerited one, for sure. Um, Yeah, we were able to resolve that and encourage him to know that that was not going to happen. But we have to be careful, because just because the law says it, if it contradicts God's word, which one are you going to choose? And you need to decide this now, because are you going to play it safe? and do the easy path and just do what it says legally? Or are you going to stand up and say, no, this is not what our country was founded on. This is not what God says right. God says is right. I will not submit to this authority. Another big example of how this came to play in the last few years is when the virus was in in its most unknown form. Everything was asked to shut down. Things were labeled non-essential and essential. The church was labeled non-essential. It was asked to close its doors because the government said so. In the beginning, we didn't know information, Um well, we didn't know information, and we knew that we did need to do something. So it was prudent and wise. But at some point, we began to recognize that this was not a maintainable lifestyle. I had so hoped the church would lead the charge in letting us get back to our lives, not because we were careless or didn't want to be intentional of how we lived, but because one of the greatest things we have seen damaged come out of this isolation and lockdown is relationships. The church should have fought harder to maintain community and relationships with in-person gatherings. We will not know the damage so many people have experienced because of the stunt and the, or the regressive nature of what has happened in their interpersonal relationships. We know that mental issues are on the rise. Medi- medication, drugs are on the rise. Drug use is on the rise. Um, suicide is on the rise. There's so many devastating effects of having been isolated for as long as we were. So my bigger point is not the details or the nuances because I'm sure you can possibly find some things you don't agree with me on, but the heart of it. What was at the heart of the body of Christ during this pivotal place in our world? Did we step up and provide the things we were called to do or did we just behave like the rest of the non-essential businesses in a lay low? Now you might be saying, well, that was the best. If the government was, it was the best, that's the best decision. But really, if you think about it, if the government was doing what was best for everyone in that situation, then why were places that served alcohol, places that ga- that provided gambling, and the worst, places that provided abortions, were allowed to be open? The double standard and hypocrisy is enough for me to just not even know how to engage in a conversation if you can think that those things are essential and the church was considered not. We screwed up. The reason we are talking about it now is because we know better, so let's do better. Let's not ever let the place of worship be a non-essential ever again. I'm so grateful for those who did lead the way and start re-establishing the important act of worshiping God together and to serve the community. And by the way, all the fines that were threatened on those who opened up and all the legal action all went into favor of the church. We did not stand up with the biblical worldview in that case. We surrendered to the fear of repercussions Or the fear of being sick. We surrendered to the fear of man as a whole. I won't even go into the whole idea of the sickness, the virus. There are so many things that have been conflated and misrepresented that that the fear we experienced was something out of a work of fiction. I don't know if we could have ever written something so horrible that happened to so many people. Just because those were in charge were allowed to have the ability to do things they weren't supposed to be able to do. Because we let them, we let them. So we read about Romans 13, and I've touched just a little bit about it. But ultimately, if you're facing a decision between obeying God and submitting to authority that God has put in its place, then there should be no option. You should obey God. God has placed uh, uh, an instruction for us to obey them, but that doesn't mean we throw out his word and his law to obey godless men and women who are in charge. They don't get a special favor or, or blessing to allow them to circumvent what he says is Okay. Now, I do have to bring up the fact that our country is very unique in all the world. If It is one, if not the only nation founded on several pillars that have made it successful for as long as it has been. One of those pillars is our faith. I mentioned before on the other podcast that 30% or more of our founding documents use the Bible as its source. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. The Bible is used in over 30% of our founding documents. And there's more even... Um, mixed in with it that aren't referenced because it was just understood that this is, we're talking about the Bible. There may be a handful or less of founding fathers that weren't believers. I know that may be shocking to some of you based on the history we've been taught, but our history has been in the shambles or at least the teaching of it for some time now. In fact, this idea of separating church and state did not start until the middle of the last century. I don't need to go deep into that, but the idea of our faith is not welcome in government politics is a lie People have bought hook, line, and sinker because they did not know or did not take time to know their history. I am one of those guilty as charged. That was where I was. Some great people to start looking up information on this kind of idea of church and uh, or the biblical worldview that our country was founded on is Wall Builders with Dave Barton or Tim Barton. They have great books, podcasts, things that really make it easy for you to begin understanding The purpose and nature of our history, of our founding of our nation, and why we have gone so far away. We have so many great original sources that definitely refute this idea that we can't have the Ten Commandments on government property. We can't use biblical morality to establish law and order. In fact, I have been shocked by how many so called Christians are offended by the fact that we live out our faith in all areas of our life. I've been in conversation with an employee specifically at a local Christian university, and she is more intent on making sure that we don't allow our faith to be influential in any part of the public sphere. That, again, is something that postmodernism and several other competing ideologies have presented, and we Christians have synchronized right in there. We were like, well, that makes sense. You know, this isn't what the Bible says, but that tool can be helpful. Let's just combine the two. No, we don't combine the two. We stand on the word of God, and those tools that do not match up with the word of God, we throw away and say, "No, I'm not going to do it." The church has been so slow to the game, and decided that this is the way we're going to operate—that um, we don't need to speak; we just need to be known by our love. But that is a lie, and to separate our faith from any part of our lives is a very essential essence of not living out our, of not living out our faith. I mean, I'm not going to talk to my kids. And people outside differently my family and I, I speak the same truth in all circumstances now I might change the way I say it just like I might speak differently to kids as adults but the message is the same and I don't change what is true and real in my life because that's not how we live as believers our faith is part of who we are so there is no public and private place it's all our lives so hope that I'm giving you a little glimpse of some basis for why you should start speaking out against the thing the government is requiring us to do that is not biblical. It's okay for us to have a nation founded on biblical principles. It's okay for us to fight to restore that because the church of the last hundred years or so has been very good about laying it down and giving it away. And again, if you think that's because we stepped out of the public sphere as Christians, then we're now in a new level of non-religion or non-religious society. You're kidding yourselves. The other ideologies and worldviews have been happy to take over the void we have left. And they are speaking in it in a loud way that has almost silenced the church. <laughs> we have got to, we can't just passively hope we'll get a spot back in the public sphere. We've got to take it back with assert, um, authority and assertion. So we've got more work to do in order to stand up and speak that out. I mean, some of you are like, I could never. You're thinking this is so terrifying to even think about. But let me give you hope. I'm not asking you to do that today. I'm asking you to take five minutes and find out how you can do that today. And before you know it, you'll have a lot of five minutes under your belt and you will have the confidence to do the things that God is calling you to. And I am confident of that. I was asking the Lord to give me an idea of some direction and some things to share today. And one of the things that came out was um, a verse in 2 Chronicles sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. I love the idea that God is looking for us to step up and do what he, to show our hearts are for him. He's, he's anticipating that that's what we will do. He's not looking for those who's disappointed him. He's looking for those who will show our hearts are turned towards him. And what's funny is this, (laughs) I've been reading through the Bible chronologically. And and as I've been preparing for this podcast, this is the the story. This passage came up literally uh, right when I was preparing for this podcast. And it's just, you know, fun because that was not something I was thinking of. But it's about King Asa and how he, he was such a good king. And he did so many good things until... He decided to trust man and the leadership in another group than God. And because of that, the last part of this verse says, you have done foolishly in this, from now, for from now on you will have wars. And so I do want to ha- have a little sobering effect on you to know that you can do great, 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 great. But then this one decision, it could have greater consequences than you even know. And so be sober to know that we are required to step up and speak God's truth. We don't want... Those around us to experience wars because of our inability to trust God. I've kind of always thought this message would encouraging, but like I said, it is sobering. It reminds us that God is searching and looking for those whose hearts are towards Him. And if you submit to ungodly governmental leaders or people in place positions of authority, your heart is not towards Him. The evidence shows that your heart is towards men who will give you favor or special treatment in that moment. But in the end, you'll have to deal with God and how you denied him in those moments. But even still, how does it look in your real life? How do you spend five minutes today or the next focus on being intentional about standing up for truth? To be honest, it just takes that initial step. If you begin looking for how to stand, it's amazing how the opportunities will come up. I think one of the easiest ways to test this out is honestly on social media. You don't have a lot of face-to-face interaction with people in the moment. You can try and say something that you feel is a kind way to speak truth and get pretty quick feedback. They're going to let you know. Not kind. Don't agree with you. Because it's not, it's not like you're going to do this at lunch. Like Sometimes your lunches or your interactions with people and, and face-to-face will go there. But it's like a great threshing floor, I think. <laughs> You know, it's a really good place to to kind of be just jump out in the middle of the pool and see if you can swim. Uh, but here's where social media is going to be your friend. And if you're looking for it to be that, then it'll provide you lots of opportunities. I will also recommend, too, there's some great uh, I've found some great authors that provide book groups that they allow people to interact on about different things about what the authors written on and or other things. And I can um You know, if you find a a good author that you like, then you look and see if they have a book group. Elisa Childers, uh, Natasha Crane are some off the top of my head that have had some really good interactive groups. There's an apologetics for parents. And those are great spaces too because you can say, this is what I'm thinking, what are your thoughts? And then you have other people who are for you and want to encourage you to stand for yourself and they'll give you good feedback as well. And it's a little bit safe, it's not quite as threatening to go up to someone who is the di, the, di, um, the virtually opposite of who you are and what you stand for and to go up against them. That might be a little intimidating, but to go against someone who understands where you're coming from, it's good to have those groups. And I have a book club that I've tried to start that allows for that space. It hasn't been quite as successful in doing that as I'd hoped for, but we're still working on it and learning how to do that better for sure. So there's lots of options for you to be able to put yourself in a place where you can learn to practice it that's not so scary as someone that you don't see or you haven't known or seen since like high school or something like that. But think about posts where people, uh, that people post where they come up and share something that you're like, it just doesn't sit well with you and you need to figure out what it is and see if there's a way you can address it. Not all offensive things are going to be dealt with as you pass them, pass by them. I mean like when people cuss (laughs) and use vulgar language or, you know, insulting things. That's not something I gonna address because that's a hard issue. That's not something I can really, I'm not going to engage on that level. But, you know, topics and current events and things like that is a good, a good safe place to go. Not all offensive um, events are going to be dealt with, but you may have to go back and start uh, re-following people that you've unfollowed because you didn't like the things they were sharing or saying. So I did do a little moratorium where I went back and unfollowed, uh, re-followed everybody on my friend list so that I can re-engage and give them a chance to see if they've grown or changed because really I don't unfollow or unfriend people unless you're vulgar rude and just cruel. That's really my thing and so I will say it doesn't matter which side or what you believe. There's lots that there are people that do that no matter if they agree with me or not or I agree with them or not and so I try to be people around people that um inspire me and help help me to to look to God more. And um, so I unfollowed, uh, I refollowed all these people and it's been fun because I've been exposed to some things that I probably wasn't exposed to in the past. So uh, let's see here. Um, So if you're scrolling through social media and you see someone say, we need more gun laws. That's the best way to solve our problems. Read this awesome article that says what I think should happen. If you find yourself not agreeing with that statement or position, then you say, hey, Lord, is there something I need to respond to here? And if he says yes, then think about what is the person saying, not what words are they using or article, but what is the heart behind their message? Are they afraid? Are they scared? Are they confident? Like, think about what are these things. Have they recently gone through an experience that kind of uh, motivates them to see things in a different perspective or this perspective? Like if It helps if you know why they're saying these things. Then you can address their fears or the underlying emotions addressed with it without attacking them. Because remember, we're trying to present the truth, which is God, the author of truth. So are they saying, I'm afraid, I don't know how to stop the madness and the lives being taken by guns, so I want to bring something back that makes me feel safer even though it doesn't do any good. Then you can address their fears and not attack them for misunderstanding how laws work. If I'm stepping on toes, I'm sorry, this is just a real life example of how to respond. Side note, if you don't agree with what I'm saying, look it up, see what you can find to see if yes, Tammy is crazy and she doesn't know what she's talking about or I never really thought about that before I will look more into it. But in, in identifying what the person is actually saying gives you a little bit more freedom to speak indirectly and address the thing that the direct response might shut them down. I find questions very helpful in this scenario, I'd say, what do you think providing additional laws to limit the use of guns would change about the current issues we were having. Based on the response, I would be like, wow, I totally missed the mark on that one and they are totally offended. And if that happens, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to come across or communicate what you seem to hear me say. Let me try that again. And then restate the position. Again, it's just easy to practice and test out to see if you can communicate what you think is true. Now you may think guns and all that stuff is political and you don't want to go there. So find something that's a little easier and still gives you that check in your spirit that you can process and test the waters to see how you can navigate by providing truth and hope to that person in that circumstance. You may not know the information to even engage in a conversation, but that's still a win because it encourages encourage you to start researching and looking up why you don't believe that that's a tenable position to have and understand how to start communicating that. So if you were choosing to do this and, Well, I guess the reason is we're trying to choose to do this and and create spaces to be able to offer up the truth that we know that brings hope and healing. It's going to make us feel uncomfortable because we're going to start speaking in a place that maybe we haven't spoken before. But I'll guarantee that no one's going to be like, you know, Tammy, I have been sharing consistently how I think this. And I've noticed for the last year, you have never responded and given me your input. Could you please tell me what your opinion is or what you think God says about this particular subject? If you're laughing with me, then you heard what I was exactly trying to say. No one's going to ask you to share your opinion. There might be some, but that's not the norm. And especially in this season of our life, it's not the norm. People are not going to ask you what you think. Especially because there is a worldview, an ideology that says if you have to ask the question of what you think, then you are not the arrived ones you don't know what's going on then you are supposed to be shamed and excluded from those who us who do know all the things so there's a tension that you're going to be walking in so like this leads me to know it letting letting you know that not everyone likes questions ask of them and it may challenge them to see that they don't really know what's going on so remember if your beliefs are challenged you're going to respond differently and it's going to maybe cause you to be more fearful and angry than it is to be like wow thanks for sharing that truth with me If you're noticing that they don't have an answer, it's okay. Encourage them to look it up or encourage them to read some things that maybe you have found to be helpful. You know, you just navigate through these things organically. It's not like a form. There's no set form way of doing this. I hope this has helped you to know how you can be more intentional in taking a stand. If you're looking for opportunities to engage with people about what God's Word says, Specifically in relevant topics of our day, you're going to find people wanting to to seek out more of who God is. I think most people don't seek the Lord these days because they don't know that he has answers to these difficult questions. So many other religions and ideologies are offering answers and explanations for what is going on in the chaos of our world. What are you going to do to start finding ways for you to be able to offer up what his word says? I'll close with this. Let me caution you not to get caught up in the details of the people or the groups of which I'm speaking because they really are inconsequential, and not even really the reason why I'm telling the story. I'm really trying to give you real examples of ways I navigate through difficult and challenging circumstances because I'm not speaking as one who doesn't know the very thing I'm asking you to do. In fact, even this last week, I was done trying to pioneer and be the person God has called me to be because I was just, it was just so hard, and it felt like more than I could handle. But as always, God is so faithful to remind me that he has never asked me to do it on my own strength. He asks me to do the things he's called me to to buy uh, by the strength he gives me. So if you're feeling that way at all, lay it back down at his feet and know that his burden, burden is easy and his yoga is light. And we don't have to do it in our own strength. We just have to interact with him so he can provide what we need in these conversations we are going to begin seeking out. I'm so proud of you for being willing to even sit here and engage in this podcast because that means you're trying to do something hard. This is not something that we've seen modeled in the past But what an exciting day to be living in. We are getting to do new things and pursue goals with people. uh, Pursue goals with his heart and with people in ways that we have. um, (laughs) We don't know how it's going to turn out. And that can be a little terrifying at times. It's terrifying and exciting all at the same time. But remember, you're not doing this alone. And there are many willing to stand with you. You just may not see them yet. But what a gift you will give so many people whom God has placed in your lives to encourage them in their own journey for standing for truth. So blessings, friend. Until next time.